Flair, and this is Founder Coffee. Every two weeks, I have coffee with a different founder. We discuss life, passions, learnings, in an intimate talk, getting to know the person behind the company. For this 27th episode, I talk to Cody Candy, co-founder of Bounce, who aim to give you a place to leave your things anywhere in the city by providing short-term back storage in hotels and shops. Before starting Bounce, Cody worked at Intuit, the makers of the accounting software QuickBooks, and later at the venture studio Factory X. That's where he learned about the importance of rapid prototyping and how it should be done, so that you can find the right approach with your startup in the fastest way possible. We talk about his long-term vision with Bounce, what he learned by starting off as a product manager, Bounce's weekly planning horizons, how to close investment deals, and why you should take all advice with a grain of salt. Welcome to Founder Coffee. Hi, Cody. It's uh, great to have you on Founder Coffee. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Jerome. Uh, you are founder of Bounce Back Storage. You saying it right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so uh, Bounce, um, uh, you can find us in the App Store with Bounce Back Storage, and then our, our URL is usebounce.com, but we just go by Bounce. Yeah. This was because uh, the bounds domain name was already taken by someone. I, I guess it's a uh, water, uh, a popular domain name. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. That's right. Uh, what like 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 what is it that you guys exactly do? It says bounds back storage. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So bounce is a marketplace for super short term storage. People leave things with us for five hours at a time. That's the average. Um, basically, um, we partner with local hotels and shops to basically put up all these storage locations all over cities. And if you're running around the city, whether that's as a traveler or as a, or as a local, or you're going to an event, you don't want to carry your things, you basically open our app and you can find a place anywhere you are to leave your things. Um, the, the closest alternative is, is something like uh, train station lockers that you might see in Japan yeah. or Asia or Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've, I've personally used something like that in Lisbon, it was in a parking lot. Is this a, a kind of thing you do as well? Or? Uh, we don't use parking lots, but I suppose if there's a, yeah, we don't use parking spots. We use uh, just local, uh, local businesses or hotels that uh, okay. um, it's manned by people who can check your items in and make sure that they're safe. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's not like this kind of locker thing. It's more of a storage space that you kind of, like you, you would leave your luggage at a hotel uh, after you checked out. Kind of like that, or correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, that's cool. So you're you're kind of using the existing infrastructure, and you can scale much quicker, I suppose. Yeah, we have no assets. Yeah, is, is the is the is the business mostly directed at travelers, or is the other any other group that makes use of this? Yeah, so there's a, there's a, a couple key use cases. Um, travelers is a, a big one, and that's that's broad. That's that's leisure travelers, business travelers. Um, and then we also have a lot of uh, commuters and locals using us. Um, you know, they're coming in and out of the city every day. Maybe they don't want to bring their stuff every time. And within that group, you can you can segment that out even further. There are professionals who have to carry more stuff with them as part of their job. For example, salesmen with uh, who are showing physical product. Um, and then uh, another another big group is um, people who are going to events. You can't bring a bag into say Madison Square Garden or the baseball game, and so. Um, these, these, these venues will point people to us to say, hey, you can't start with us. Um, we have things with Bounce. Yeah. Cool. Is this like from, from personal experience that you, you started? And, and, and when, 
when did you kind of like have the spark where you said, well, this is something I should really work on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I had, so basically the, the vision for bounce, which I'll explain and the, the problem for bounce, mm-hmm. which is like people spend too much time planning their days around their things. Um, these are things that I, I've, uh, thought about for years and years and have, a you know, a lot of personal experience with, um, just a little context, a little backstory. Uh, I lived in 12 cities myself. I've traveled to about 50 countries and, um, yeah, as a result, I'm very much a minimalist. I don't own a lot of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's easy for me to move to a new place or travel and not really, you know, bring anything with me. I wrote a blog post about, you know, traveling with no luggage and experiment, um, went to Hong Kong for a weekend with no luggage and yeah, basically just saw this problem over and over and over again of people planning their whole days and even their whole lives around the things that they own. Oh, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do I'll have all my stuff with me. Let me commute way out of the way, um, just to drop something off. And, um, so basically that sort of spark that led to the vision of bounce, which is, you know, imagine if anywhere you are in the city, you can just like summon your things away from you and, and summon that summon them back to you. And there's sort of two ways to think about this. And we're actually, um, uh, doing, doing or experimenting with both There's storage. What if there was just a place you could check your things in anywhere? And then the original idea for bounce was actually more of a delivery model. It was, what if someone just picks up your stuff right away and then brings it back to where you are later? Um, so I've been working on bounce along with my co-founder for a little over a year. Um, we've, we've gotten it to market really, really fast. I'll tell you about the founding story more, but, um, I had the idea three years prior to that. Um, the specific moment that I had the idea was I was, um, catching up with some colleagues and some friends after work, we went to, uh, a bar and restaurant and someone said, uh, like, Oh, like yeah. I said, Oh, are you going to come join us? I said, Oh, I actually have all my stuff and I'm on a, I'm going to go home and, and drop it off. And I was like, that's way out of the way. And I was just thinking, if you think about 2014, that was, you know, when on demand was really taking off Uber Lyft. And uh, I was just thinking, how crazy is it that so many people that live in cities really plan their days around their things? I was just thinking there's gotta be a better way. And it, it basically all hit me right then and there the name, um, the, 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 the problem, the vision, basically, yeah, you you never plan your days around your things again. You, you can summon them away from you and summon them back to you. So you bounce them all for what's the name? What does it stand for? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, it sounds like you were kind of alluding to it. So the idea is you could bounce your stuff away from you and then and then bounce it back to you. Yeah, um, um, yeah it's it's uh, it's it's not delivery because delivery is like point A to point B. Bounce means you move something away from you and it bounces back to you wherever, whenever you want and wherever you are. Okay, so 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 currently you're doing the kind of like storage space because I suppose that's easier logistically. But at some point, you would really like to make this a full Uber experience where you just tap on your phone and somebody comes pick up your stuff and then brings it back when you tap again, something like that. Basically, yeah. The reason I didn't start Bounce in 2014 was because uh, I envisioned a logistics solution. And that would be, you know, scaling up a whole driver network that would take tons of money. Um, Mm -hmm. It'd be very, very complex. And, um, so I was just sitting on it for a while. I was like, Hmm, like, yeah, this is so hard. Maybe this will be a good, like second company for me after I already had success with another one. Um, but then I was chatting with my, my now co-founder in 2017 and we're like, how can we, how can we make the logistics piece easier? And then once we're short, we put a bunch of prototypes together, like in a day and then a couple of days, one after another, just quickly iterating. And we landed on a model where, uh, people would drop their things off in a store and then pick them up from another store 
and we would do the logistics in between. But there were enough people that were willing to drop off and pick up from the same location. And we were just like, that's so easy to build. We could put that up in, in three weeks. So we, after that, we started writing code, put our product live three weeks later. And, um, uh, basically had a, a fully functioning product or the, really the first base of, uh, of bounce. Oh, okay. So at a later stage you could, you could, you could like charge more if you want to pick it up in another shop or something. Correct. That's cool. You, you, you said you were, uh, going to share us a bit more about the founding story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people find this interesting. So, you know, we had the vision, we had the problem, we had no idea what to build. And a big, uh, a big exciting part of, of product building for me, my background's in product management, is this sort of rapid prototyping approach. Um, I spent a lot of time with that, uh, do, doing that in my career. And um, so basically, day one of Bounce with my co-founder and I was... Um, we put up a landing page, um, just like a website build and the most basic thing. We did it in two or three hours. Um, we bought some Google AdWords and we basically on the page said, you know, we'll come pick up, we'll come pick up your stuff and bring it back to you. Um, this was in New York city. Um, my co-founder and I got city bike memberships. And then literally five minutes after putting Google AdWords up, uh, someone calls my phone and says, uh, someone calls the Google voice number, the, the Google number that I put up on the ad. And, um, I, I pick up and, and they say, Hey, can you come pick up my bag? And she was like, how much does it cost? And I quickly hit mute. And I was like, hey, Alex, Alex, how much should I charge them? <laughs> and uh, we basically just, you know, put something live that, that seemed like it could be real. Um, and basically used that to get real customers that then we could build a product around. And mm-hmm. so that basically decided how much we would want to charge this person, um, decided how we would handle it all, and literally fulfilled our first 20 orders of bounce on, uh, on city bikes. Um, we showed up uh, to meet this lady at a, at a Starbucks. And, um, it's funny, we did a few things to make it seem a little bit more legitimate. Um, we brought another suitcase with us so we could say, Oh yeah, you know, like we're bounced. We, we deal with more suitcases than just yours. Um, later we told her she was the, uh, our first customer and, and every commitment we made to her as a, as a customer we fulfilled. Um, mm-hmm. but it was just a, a really, you know, we, we really hustled our way into getting bounce off the ground really fast. Um, uh, the, the way that we were thinking about it was, um, bounce seemed like a really crazy idea. And so sort of taking a scientific approach of what are the hypotheses that have to be true for bounce to work? Uh, the biggest one was, are people willing to hand their valuables, hand their bags off to strangers that they met off the internet? Mm-hmm. And if the answer was no, then game over. Like we don't have a business here. So we said, how can we test that assumption as fast as possible? So with that first customer, you know, she was actually, she said, oh, like, where's, where's the van? So, you know, we're working on the street, but overall it wasn't really a problem. Um, she handed her stuff off to us. We got it back and you know, there, there is some hesitation from folks, but generally speaking, uh, a lot of people are, are willing to, uh, to give their things to uh, a stranger. And so we validated that. And then um, from there, the next phase was, all right, this, this logistics piece is actually really hard. Riding around on city bikes was, was really uh, exhausting. And, you know, it, it seemed unlikely that we could pay drivers enough money to make this work, like all the logistics issues. And so that's when we said, all right, this is the next thing that would be most likely to break the business. So how do we solve for that? And then mm-hmm. from there, that's when we came up with, with that next model and then just kept iterating. So there were three weeks of really, really intense prototyping, just taking customers as fast as we could and iterating every day. And, um, and then that, that's what led us to 
the conviction. We already had the conviction around the problem and the vision, but that's what gave us the conviction that we could actually build something. Customers wanted this and, uh, and we can make this uh, a really exciting business. Yeah, that's, that's really solid advice. I, I think I just had a chat with someone yesterday um, who wants to basically join a, a new business uh, or sometimes I have a chat with someone who wants to start a new business and ask, how should I do that? And really the rapid prototyping approach that you just like explained is what you should do. Most, most of the world um, expects you to come with a, with a complete plan. Uh, like, like you write 40 pages business plan and then you, you just execute it. But that's not how entrepreneurship works. It's really like trying small things and then trying the next thing and trying the next thing. Even if you already have a business, it's often the best way of, of improving it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, this is, I think, a really great example for all listeners that, uh, that are thinking of doing something new is, is really to do it like this. Just yeah. try it the easiest way you can and then try the next thing. Try the next thing and see where it goes. Exactly, yeah. No matter how good you are, it is very difficult for anyone to predict customer behavior. And so if you spend nine months uh, developing a product without putting it in front of customers. Um, you just spent nine months and you don't know how the customers are going to respond. And often, you know, companies big and small do this and then they don't know, you know, then the customer uses it in a different way or there's a certain thing like, you know, in this example, will I hand my bags over to strangers that didn't work, we'd have to completely rethink it. And, um, so flipping it around and saying, how can I get customers first and have, uh, have them tell me what to build or have them guide guide us and what to build. Um, it can really help you shortcut a lot. We, uh, we, we grew bounce pretty quickly with, um, uh, the time frame that we had. And, and, and I, I attribute a lot of that to, uh, rep prototyping, just, you know, like letting customers tell us what to build rather than us trying to guess. Yeah. You said you did a lot of rapid prototyping in your career previously. What is it that you were doing previously? Yeah. So there are two, two relevant examples. I started my career out of college at a big tech company in, uh, in, in Silicon Valley, uh, Intuit. Um, mm-hmm. Intuit has an amazing program for folks starting a career in product management right out of college. So I joined their rotational program and it's amazing training, but they also just throw you in right away where you're then, you know, owning a big, a big, uh, product experience. And, um, a big thing they preach, this was uh, 2012. The big thing they preached was the lean startup. It was right when the book came out and, uh, and actually Intuit's mentioned all over the book as an example of a, a big company that's actually able to do this. And, um, yeah, so they really drilled into their new hires. Like this is how you do rapid prototype. This is how you do the lean startup approach. Um, you know, talk to customers, talk to customers, talk to customers. No one does that enough. Uh, even me who like, you know, I've been thinking about this forever and I, I still am like, whenever I talk to customers, I'm like, ah, I should do this more often. Um, and so that was like the first, first real, um, taste of this. And then the second one was, um, I had the opportunity to do a fellowship with a venture studio called factory X, which was, um, led by Tom Chi. Uh, he was on the founding team of Google X, Google's uh, experiment lab that, uh, incubated, uh, self-driving cars, glucose contact lenses, uh, Google glass, all this stuff. And so their approach also, and, and Tom, Tom kind of, you know, if you search rapid prototyping, Tom, Tom's name might show up. Um, he's sort of a pioneer in it. Um, he, he really, you know, had a methodology similar to the lean startup, but a little different, which was just, um, how do we, how do we spin up products really fast, uh, by using customer validation and, and prototypes that are like 
no code, often no code written, certainly no backend code written. Um, but it's just, you just put, you just put the value prop of the experience in front of the customer and watch how they use it and respond to it. Yeah. Do you have like any, uh, concrete example of how you were doing this at Intuit? Uh, yeah. So there was, a. There was, there's an immediate one. There was a, a fun, a really fun side project I was working on there. It was, it was, I have to refresh my memory a little bit. It was around helping people optimize their tax situations. So I was doing a, a stint on the uh, TurboTax product and um, basically, you know, you know what to do on tax day, you know, all that. But before the year ends, there's a lot of things where if you sell stocks or buy stocks or sell certain assets that you have, there are things you could do before the year, the end of the year to optimize your tax situation. And I said, wouldn't it be cool to give someone a, uh, uh, to, to give people a product that tells you, Hey, like here's your financial situation. If you do these three actions, you'll save as much in taxes, um, blah, blah, blah. And, um, um, what, what, what we found was that, um, I worked on this with a couple of people. We talked to a lot of tax experts and, um, it was, it was really interesting. There were a few, a few key insights that we could have never guessed. Um, no one could have ever guessed. And, um, uh, when we just put this in front of people and talked to them, uh, we, we, we revealed them all. Um, I won't be able to remember all of them off the top of my head, but I remember there was a big one around demographics. There were, uh, folks that, um, uh, folks that made below a certain amount just had zero interest in this. Um, and, and, you know, like, Hey, you want an extra $500 on your tax return? Um, like, yeah, there was a, there was a group of people that were just not at all interested. And, mm-hmm. um, it was also, I, I think there was another one around, like, you know, people don't want to think about their taxes when it's not tax season. So that was another thing to work around, but there were a few really key insights like that. I, I wish I had all the, all the notes to tell you, like all these counterintuitive insights that we picked up. Yeah. Cool. So you see, so you kind of, uh, started into it straight out of school. Correct. What, what did you study before? Um, so I studied, uh, my, I, I started college with, uh, going for a business degree and then narrowed it down as a finance degree. I like math, um, and was kind of going down the, the general business route figuring. And then halfway through college, I was thinking about what I wanted to do. And it took me until the middle of college to realize two things. One is, that, uh, you know, I'm very entrepreneurial and I want to, and I, I realized I could connect the dots between entrepreneurship and career. Like, wow, I can actually make a career out of this. Um, and then the second one was, um, my, my passion for the technology industry. Um, I, I realized halfway or maybe three quarters of the way through college, um, that the only industry that I wanted to work in is, uh, is technology. And, um, so yeah, basically, um, then started spending more of my time and more of my focus to align myself with, uh, with, with opportunities in, in that realm. Yeah. So you, I, I suppose you started as a product manager because you kind of felt like you had your own product and business to run or. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, uh, I think product management is, is a great experience for, you know, you're working with engineers, designers, cross-functional teams to basically, um, figure out what to build. And that to me felt like, uh, very similar to what a, a tech entrepreneur would do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it felt like the best thing I could do to, uh, prepare myself to be an entrepreneur later. Yeah. That's funny. I, I had the exact same thought when I came out of school. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I did it in a pharma company and that was a horrible mistake uh, <laughs> because it doesn't mean the same thing as it does mean in a, in a tech company. 
Mm, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, I, I I studied engineering and uh, biomedical engineering, mm-hmm. and I figured that um, in in a pharma company would be the same thing for me. But in the end, it was a, a, a more of a marketing position without a lot of other responsibilities. Not like in a tech company, it's a totally different thing. Mm. Mm. Wow. Cool. Uh, so I kind of understand uh, Bounce and your backstory. Where, where is it exactly that you want to take Bounce? You, you, you mentioned a few things already, like it needs to kind of become Uber for uh, your goods. Is that how you would yeah. describe it? Or Yeah, so I alluded to uh, like a, a big vision that we're really excited about. And our, our big vision, and keep in mind, this, you were thinking decades out, um, our big vision is uh, the sort of magical world where anywhere you are in any city, you can access your things wherever you are. The, 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 the status quo today is, um, you know, you probably keep all your stuff in your house, maybe with a storage unit, but for the most part, keep everything that you need regularly in your house and you, you, um, you bring it with you and, you know, et cetera. Um, the, the sort of futuristic world is, Anywhere you are in any city, you can just summon your things to you. Yeah. Um, the the way the analogy we use is cloud computing for the physical world. This idea that there's distributed storage all over the city, and you can access your things um, pretty much like anywhere from from those spaces. And so, storage piece is a, is a huge component of this. But we're also we're really excited about the uh, the idea of being able to summon anything from from anywhere and so um it's it's a, a big crazy vision and um you know there's there's no direct path to getting there but um we realized the base layer was, was storage so we built that and then we've also um been uh, looking at what it would take to to add a, a courier layer on top of that yeah so it's with a focus on short-term storage or is it also long-term storage is it are you are you willing to compete with SureGuard or is it mostly competing with logistic systems for goods um, so long-term storage is, uh, is a whole different industry, but we want, we want bounce to be the interface between you and everything you own. And so if bounce is sort of the, the interface, we want to have connections to longer term storage facilities. So mm-hmm. with bounce, you can send something to longer term storage, but we may not ever build our own long-term storage. Yeah. Um, so let's you think about that piece. You stay focused on the serves and the logistics and the storage itself. You, you keep outsourcing at least for now. Yeah. I think we could build a, a really, really big, impactful um, technology software platform uh, without really investing in any assets. Um, we can connect consumers to all the spaces, connect them to other nodes like longer term storage, just to build out this, this incredible platform for moving and, and storing things around a city and, 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 and managing how you access your own things. Yeah. I'm supposing you are not looking to build this in a bootstrapped way. It's like virtually impossible. Um, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think we could play the bootstrap game with this and it'll look a little different. We could play the venture backed game and, and, and we can drive more towards that big, big, crazy vision. Um, so yeah, last, uh, last summer we actually raised uh, our first round of funding, um, uh, a little over a million dollars and uh so we were bootstrapped nine months before that and uh yeah the, the money was actually really really helpful um, mm-hmm. um it, it it allowed us to take bigger risks to to spend more than we're 
we're, we're doing in revenue, we're, you know, investing in engineering talent and other talents. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really exciting. We, we are in a great spot with, with growing revenue, but, um, um, having, having the ability to make really forward thinking bets has been uh, incredible. Yeah. What, what is it that you like spend most of your time working on lately? What is it that keeps you up at night? Let's say. Yeah. So every, actually every week is, 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 is pretty different. Every week on Monday, the team gets together and we talk about, you know, what's the, what's the most impactful thing we can do. And some weeks it's just growth. It's just, how do we get more growth? What growth features do we build? Um, this week it is, uh, operations and scalability. So, um, we have, uh, we doubled our revenue last month and we're on pace to double it again this month. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, every time it seems every time we 10 X our revenue, we, uh, things start to break. Um, and when I say things start to break, I mean, uh, the customer support queries might get too high that it's, you know, it's kind of messed up or the way we think about managing our store partners where it was high touch before, um, you know, we need to think about it more in a, a systems, a systems approach where it's, you know, here's automated information that goes out and rather than managing, uh, uh, 150 partners, we're managing one system that, you know, helps them get the information they need. We're still available for them. And so, um, yeah, this, this week, the focus is, uh, this week and next week, it's all about, uh, scalability. How do we, how do we make bounce more operationally efficient? Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, the, the future weeks will, will really unfold as, as we progress, but there's uh, there's some tech work we need to do next uh, around scalability and, 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 and whatnot as well. Yeah. So you have a really like short horizon on what you do. It's like you plan for the next week. Does that mean you don't do longer term projects? Is it is it always limited to things you can do within a week, or how does that work exactly? Yeah, so it, it's it, it is everything. So it's uh it's it's week weekly is 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 a big one. Um, we can you know I can tell you uh, we actually kind of kind of do quarterly as well. We say what do we want to accomplish this quarter? Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes you know predicting three months out, like what's going to unfold in the first two months will really reveal the third month. So the longer term goals that we have, we keep more, more broad. We say, you know, this is our vision. We want to work on things that point us towards that. Um, these are like goals we're working backwards from. And, uh, um, with all that, we say, you know, what, what should we be doing to, to get closer to that? Um, but if you ask me what we're going to be doing, we're going to be spending our time in June. Um, you know, maybe I would say high level like growth or, you know, um, uh, you know, X, Y, Z high level, but I, you know, like what we learn this month and, and, and next month will really, uh, will really pave the way for that. Mm -hmm. Cool. How many are you now? Uh, so we are four, four or five employees. Um, we, uh, uh, we just brought on a new uh, engineer. So we're three engineers, including uh, my co-founder and CTO, Alex. Um, and then we have one other person on the non-technical side. Yeah. So, so it's really like you, um, you, despite the fact that you've, you've raised a million, you're still keeping things very lean and, 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 and quick, or is that how I need to understand it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know, it's funny because my co-founder and I, we were spending our own money for so long. Um, we're, we're so like the idea of wasting a thousand dollars, for example, is, is, is <laughs> scary to us. Um, mm -hmm. before it was like, Oh, you know, let's do this 
should we do this, this thing, you know, may or may not work marketing experiment. And, um, if it's, you know, a thousand dollars, it's like, Oh, yikes. Um, mm-hmm. now we're still very frugal, but if it's like, Hey, here's $500, here's what we might learn by doing this. Uh, there's a 50% chance that it'll work and a 50% chance it won't. If it does, then we can scale this up and it would pay for itself in this way. And so we make a lot of bets that way, but we still, we still are, are pretty, pretty frugal. Um, we, mm-hmm. we definitely have not increased our, our spend too much. Is that, is that something you, you plan on, on, on doing in the, in the long term, or is, uh, what's your idea um, on this? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think, I think, uh, uh, being really, I, I, I think it's a huge, a huge benefit to, to having this mindset of like, you know, always be operating at maximum efficiency. Um, I think, I think there are huge upsides to that. I think the mm-hmm. downsides are where you don't make bets that you should. And when you are, um, uh, too frugal that you're, you're missing out on things or, you know, if you try to save, you know, if you're a billion dollar company and you try to save like $10,000 on something, $10,000 is literally immaterial. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a rounding error. And so as we grow and expand and, and something like a thousand dollars becomes completely insignificant for us, uh, it'll be important for us to say like, yeah, actually if we could spend a week of work to save a thousand dollars, like actually that's a horrible use of our time. Let's not do that. So I think it's, it's striking the right balance between, um, uh, maximizing efficiency, but also not, not, not doing small value things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also, you don't want to be too frugal because then you don't have like budgets for experiments that you should have done. Exactly. Exactly. But if you keep the, the pressure on the budget, then, then you don't start throwing it around and uh, and just doing whatever experiment that comes into into mind. Yeah, exactly. Cool. What is it exactly that 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 you do in the business right now? Like you're five, so I'm supposing you do a lot of stuff. Yeah. So um, my title is a CEO, and uh, yeah, basically. The focus, the focus that I have varies from from month to month. Um, some months pre- previously has been fundraising. Um, I'd say the last month it's been very product oriented. It's been very much you know figuring out what we should build, um, how we should uh, you know optimize around that. What uh, you know what um, uh, yeah a month ago I was chatting with my co founder like hey I think the biggest thing that would would change the business is increasing our engineering velocities. So then kind of mapping that out. Um, and, uh, yeah, hiring, uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of people who are, uh, a bit bigger than us. They say hiring becomes the most important thing. And so I'm realizing, yeah, like making sure that, um, the right folks are on board and we really like, we really start meeting people now that we might want to hire one year or three years down the line. That's key. And so mm-hmm. it's really just thinking holistically about what, you know, about the business and what's going to drive it forward the most and, and basically jumping in wherever's most needed at the time. Yeah. So any things that you, you prefer specifically over other ones or is it, is, is, is it all the same to you? Yeah. Uh, um, man, uh, I, I actually really love the variety of it. I, I love, I love doing a different thing every month. Um, I'd say things like, Things like, uh, yeah, I mean, I probably some of the more obvious boring stuff. Some of the some of the more obvious stuff is boring, like uh, uh, a lot of um, you know just fixing operations and and um, 
things like that. And, and I, I really like, uh, I really like getting the right people on the right problems. That's, uh, that's, that's really, really fun to me. And, and a big part of that is, is sort of the product management angle too, of making sure we're building the right things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I, I don't have like one clear thing. Yeah. Operational stuff doesn't need to be boring. Yeah. I, I, I do like, uh, I, I like watching it break and then figuring out how to fix it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say I have a high tolerance for like, you know, let things break and fix it then rather than trying to invent the perfect thing straight up front. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's I, I think it's probably a good, uh, founder mentality, at least in, in early stages. Yeah. Yeah. As long as what breaks isn't too, uh, too, too, uh, the consequences aren't too high. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right now there's nothing that's too, too extreme. So we're in a good spot. Where is it that you guys are based? New York? We're based in San Francisco. Ah, San Francisco. Oh, but you're in New York right now, right? I'm in New York this week. Yeah, that's right. And we actually got our start in, in New York. We were in New York our first nine months and we moved out to San Francisco. Oh, that's kind of like the, 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 the guys at the Airbnb that did the other, the, other, the other way, I think. Right? Do you hear uh, the story? They like, they, um, they were in San Francisco, but New York quickly became their biggest market. So then they spent a ton of time out there. Yeah, the exactly. Yeah, yeah. When you were telling your story earlier, I also had to think about Airbnb. How are you kind of like trying to uh, engineer an experience uh, around having your goods bouncing off and all that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Airbnb is uh, is 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 definitely inspirational. They, the way that they um, took a really gnarly problem, like or solution, mm-hmm. of letting people stay in homes, um, being very design centric around you know, really designing that experience that builds confidence. Um, there's a lot of those same things we need to do when, when you're handing your things off to a stranger, you know, you need a beautiful website and product cause that, that brings trust. You need to think through all these friction points in the customer experience and, and design around that. And, uh, yeah, so I, I love reading and, and learning about Airbnb and, and talking to my friends who work there. Yeah. Cool. Uh, slowly, um, closing up and uh, also about books uh, what's the latest good book you've read and and why did you choose to read it yeah um i read a lot i read uh this year i've been reading three to four books a month um mm-hmm. the last book i read was the one minute manager um it was a, a really good short read around um how to um basically how to manage people and, and i'd say the, the key the key summary of the book is um uh spending minimal time basically doing things in an efficient way where you're letting employees um, really own what they do and sort of be the boss of themselves. And you're just redirecting them and and, and praising them for when they do well and and making sure goals are well set. So that was the last book I read. Uh, The best book I read in the last few months was probably the everything store, which is all about Amazon. And uh, that was super fascinating because, um, you know, Amazon is such a big company that's in all of our lives now, at least in the U S and I know in many other parts of the world and, um, reading about the times where they almost failed, they, you know, they built themselves to a decent size and almost got crushed. Um, it was so fascinating. Um, Mm -hmm. And then seeing how they worked through different decisions and how they got their start, you know, bookstore. And then, you know, thinking about things like how do, what's our, what's our competitive advantage for them? It was more volume they could do the the lower the prices and therefore higher volume and therefore lower prices, et cetera. And um, so I learned a ton from reading that and, uh, and definitely recommend that book. Yeah, I agree. I also read it. I didn't read the one minute manager yet. I just put it on my, uh, my Goodreads list. Uh, 
Sounds like a book I should also have a look at. I, I read some some similar books lately. The, did you read the one, um, The Hard Thing About Hard Things? I did, yeah. That was a great book. Yeah. That was an amazing book as well. Is there, it's like, like anything you wish you would have known when you started out with uh, Bounce? Uh, you know, uh, I whenever I reflect back after like, a month of time or three months of time, I, I always think of so many things. <laughs> yeah. um, with uh, with fundraising, for example, there was a ton. You know, like fundraising is 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 sort of it's it's easy to think about it as like a sort of meritocracy where you know you work hard, you do well, and you raise. But it's actually such a such a game to it. There's all these little tactics like. Um, uh, I, I wish that I had not spent as much time as I did with investors who don't lead or who don't write checks until there's another lead. Um, I w- could have saved a lot of time that way. Um, with um, with uh, hiring, um, you know, there's there's things like uh, understanding the impact of the industry that you're from uh, and, and how that leads into your work. There's so many things where I'm just learning them every day, and I'm like, wow, like the way that I'm going to do other things going forward will be different based on what I learned. And if I knew all the stuff before, um, I would be able to take more shortcuts. So there are many, many things. Yeah. What's the, what's like the biggest thing you've learned in, in raising money, like biggest trick, like you said. Yeah. So the number I, I, I boil it down to like one, one major, major thing. And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of funny and, and I'm a little bit sad, but uh, basically that is the number one reason an investor invests is the conviction of other investors. Um, that is true for most investors, not all. Um, there's some fantastic investors out there. We had some who just loved the idea and wrote a check, but for the most part, a lot of investors I met with, um, they're like, if other investors are investing that, pushes them over the edge that gives them sort of like, Oh, I need to look at this company. And, um, so, um, it's, uh, the, the takeaway from that is given that that's the case, you need to focus on meeting with folks that will write checks first and then focus on everyone else later, because that'll be the tipping point. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely the number one thing on the fundraising side. Yeah. So are we talking VCs now or angels or, uh, both actually. Both. Okay. Yeah. Because when Probably you're talking about like, like a, a group, then like with VCs, you're not going to assign more than a few. Let's say. Right. Uh, with, what was that with VCs? Yeah. With VCs, you wouldn't assign more than a few. So in, if one guy signs, then, then it's not like you have a, a huge amount of space to have a lot of other ones sign. Yeah, that's true. But if a, uh, if a VC, uh, hears about, um, you know, another great firm that is, um, getting ready to write a check. They're going to, they're going to want to jump on that. Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of stage do you think you need to be in? Like, like right, right before actually writing the check or earlier stuff works as well. Um, yeah, I think throughout, I, uh, I having lived in San Francisco for a while, I have a, a lot of friends that are in the, the VC industry and, um, yeah, it's basically like, you know, everyone's trying to learn what the other hot deals are at the time and then, and then get in them. And so, um, the best deals happen really, really fast. Um, and, um, so people are, are, you know, I would say a good percentage of a, of a VC's job is to, you know, meet other VCs and stay in sync on all that and, you know, try to figure out where the deal flow is and then which the hot deals are and, and make sure they, they get in front of that before, uh, before most other people do. Mm-hmm. Cool. Final question. Um, what's the best piece of advice you ever got? 
Uh, best piece of advice I got is probably um, is probably trust yourself or or take take all advice with a grain of salt. Um, you know, you you can hear um, you can hear advice telling you one thing and great advice from another um, absolutely um, uh, experienced person on something exactly the opposite. No one will know your situation better than you, and uh, so I think it's great to go out and get advice and learn from people who have done it before. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to you and, and what you think is right, and, and and you know the situation better than than any expert. So yeah, I had some friends push me and said, "Hey, Cody, you know, just trust yourself." When I was thinking about quitting my job, starting something, just trust yourself. Uh, it's like making this decision. Just trust yourself. That's probably the best advice I've gotten. Yeah. That's probably the most meta, best piece of advice I've ever got. I've ever got. Yeah. <laughs> thank you again, Cody, for being on Founder Coffee. It's uh, yeah. really great to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for having me. This was really fun. That's it for this episode of Founder Coffee. We hope you liked it. Let the world know if you did. Thanks for listening, guys.